Brian, you sent over a pretty interesting tweet that you wanted to discuss on today's podcast. Yeah, this is from friend of the show, Dave Thomas, and he sent out a poll. And I thought the results were quite interesting. He was asking, well, he was saying that he wants to get back into sharing code via YouTube. So I guess he wants to make tech video uh, programming type stuff. And the poll was, what topic are you interested in? And I found the result to be kind of hilarious. Yeah, and he had really good, this was a Twitter survey, and he had really good, like, answers to it there was games building emulators which i think would be super interesting mm-hmm. really weird and crazy exactly uh, art architecture because everyone loves <laughs> architecture and then other please tell and the results were quite interesting yeah architecture won by a landslide it got 69 percent of the votes <laughs> and i thought this was interesting because he then followed up to say uh, hey, everyone, I think that's like the most boring topic possible. How can you possibly make a good YouTube video out of such a topic? But the people have spoken. People want architecture videos. And I thought, yeah, oh, I thought with you here on the show, you're the pro. So what's your opinion on what works and what doesn't work as a topic? Well, so, you know, it's it's quite interesting because I've I've definitely done my fair share of attempting to do live coding essentially. Well, there's, Mm -hmm. there's multiple, there's multiple aspects to maybe what Dave was interested in doing because there are production level quality coding videos. These are your Uh plural site, your channel nine. Yeah. There's your live stream type stuff. Like I'm going to go and I'm going to actually go on Twitch or YouTube live and I'm going to stream me coding for on some <laughs> topic that I want. I did that when I did Mots Codes Live for yeah. a lot of t- a lot of times. So we should and, dig in, we should dig into that because I'm curious about that experience, okay. but I should just say as a consumer, I really can't watch those videos. I think they're kind of <laughs> interesting, but they're, you know, like 3 4 hours of programming is a little rough. Yeah. In the, in the third category is somewhere in between those, which is not quite super crazy production in a studio, but kind of like, hey, I'm going to go do something. Maybe I do a little bit of editing, but I kind of pre-record and then mm-hmm. and then upload like, oh, today I'm going to talk about architecture, right? And then I'm going to go through almost like a mini presentation in a way where live coding is just like I'm exploring things can go wrong, where normally when you're doing that in between, you really want it to be a little bit cleaned up, which I prefer. Yeah, I think if you're talking about a YouTube experience, I'm expecting some kind of structure like a Khan Academy type video, I guess, like mm-hmm. here's the outline. Or even I, I think about this a lot is, um, is it just a presentation? Is it something that you would present at a conference with like a PowerPoint slide and then you just record your bobbling head? Or do you tend to lean more toward the live coding type stuff? Tell me, so, what's better? What do people like? <laughs> that's a good question. You know, I everyone's different. I think that I've done all three of them, right? So mm-hmm. I do the Xamarin Show on Channel 9, which is a very kind of in a studio. There's professional producers. There's switching cameras. There's, you know, all different nice lighting and, and very professional, high resolution. They do all the editing. Yeah. I don't do anything. <laughs> Those are, you know, metic- not, not necessarily a really really meticulous but to me that's not what the average person's going to do if they just want to record videos like dave thomas is maybe he's probably not going to go and go mm-hmm. into a studio and get this all done he may yeah um, what would you say um for something like that let's say you are lucky and you have a studio surroundings and you get a good recording how much editing time are people still putting into that is it still a good chunk or are you able to do it in one go mr james well it really depends editing is probably the worst part of it and 
if I look at, so the thing is, yeah, when I go into channel nine, there's like four or five different cameras, there's different lighting, there's different input sources, and they do live edits, which is really cool. So how, how channel nine works is there is a whole team of amazing people that not only produce, but edit and upload and publish mm-hmm. all, all these video contents. And some people are more hands-on. So like I might be a little bit more hands-on, like, hey, I need to do this, this, or this. My goal is just like we do this podcast, which is live to tape, baby, because then I don't have to do any work and it makes their life easy, which is one go. And when people come on the Xamarin show, I go, let's just try to do one go. And that sometimes happens and sometimes doesn't. (laughs) Okay, but I guess that's to be expected. I just um, I've I've done a limited amount of YouTube videos and just find the editing process to be such a bear. So I think I need to get better at this uh, one shot, one go. But it takes a lot of preparation. I remember when even when you were doing your live coding sessions, you seemed very well prepared. How much time did you practice before that? Well, I think I'm I'm like an oddball a little bit because mm-hmm. I do kind of go into them even when I do a Xamarin show or when I do a live coding or I do a even just some of those in-betweens like I have currently on my YouTube video or my YouTube page. I have like a Xamarin live player. What's new? I have the quick type overview. I have, you know, some other live player demos. And in those instances, I do many takes of those to do one mm-hmm. pass through really nice. But I definitely do a lot of prep. I mean, usually when I'm doing videos, I since it's almost like I'm doing a presentation. So when I do a presentation, I run through the entire demo. I run through my talking points. What do I want to cover? And I make sure the thing works. And then I unravel it back. I go in reverse of what I'm going to do, where often when I when I first started to do the live streams, I'm like, I'm going to go talk about this one thing and like, let's just go explore it. Well, that's terrible because everything that will go wrong does Mm -hmm. go wrong. And I don't know. People don't want to sit around and watch you install NuGet packages and unreal. You know, your internet <laughs> speeds a little slow, so it takes you know, forty seconds, or you know what I mean. It's just kind of like I try to get rid of that tediousness of okay, like this is the stuff that you don't really care about. You know, I'll, I'll mention it, I'll walk through it a little bit, but I'm not going to like install or do mm-hmm. this file new. I might have one already created, so I'll show you where I did it. But I want to make sure that my file new actually works. So I walk through that instance. So I definitely spend a good amount of time depending on the feature. If it's something that I know extremely well that I could just wake up and file new, do whatever, like I could totally do that, right? But Mm -hmm. often it's a little bit more of a complex setup, making sure Wi-Fi is working, making Mm -hmm. sure my video is working, all that stuff. Um, So it's quite a bit of time, yeah. Now, so let's go, let's take a voyage down the Twitch alley, though. So where we do actually Mm -hmm. record five hours of NuGet Mm -hmm. not working and going through network settings and all that stuff. Uh, Do you think that that can be salvaged? Do you think that that can be edited down to a video? Or would you say, no, these are two different beasts, um, something that you plan out versus something that you've done organically? I think that when you're doing this type of live coding or live video, like when I do Twitch, when I do Twitch in general, I, I I don't take that content and then turn it into something else. Like they have an export to YouTube and you can kind of grab those files or you could, you could use OBS, which is what I use on uh, my PC or my Mac to essentially live stream to Twitch or to YouTube um, live. And when you're doing that, it's a different experience because you're not presenting or creating a video, your presentation style is live. So by editing that down, I think forces it. So the better approach I believe is to do a live stream where people are interested in that type of experience and then redo it again Mm -hmm. in a very short, compressed fashion. Because to be honest with you, 
I believe, you know, the metrics of YouTube say that <laughs> under five minutes are basically, basically the best, best videos or maybe 10 minutes or is oh. a max, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I, no I've one heard contrary. Videos. I heard, I know for a fact no one watches for more than five minutes, but I did think that the algorithm was favoring longer videos because that's how you get the monies. You keep people's eyes glued to the screen. But you're I right. That people- algorithm changes all the time, <laughs> exactly. right? It's crazy. Yeah. And I think but- it depends because you can do a webinar. Like one of the webinars that I did, you know, the introduction to Xamarin for Visual Studio 2017, like that has like a hundred thousand views, right? And that's mm-hmm. and that's pretty pretty crazy in general. And I did a lot of prep for that. And that was actually one go and all this stuff for the live stream. So some people do like that. I guess it depends on what you're trying to show. Yeah. And for me, when I do these shorter videos of live player walkthroughs, or I'm showing off one little cool feature here, I think I I want it to be short and concise. And Mm -hmm. then if I'm going to give you a presentation, like this is my full presentation, well, guess what? That's going to be 45 to 60 minutes. But I think you're going to know by the topic what it is and and how you're going to go into it. So uh, talking about presentations, uh, so this is was my original thought. So I've used to go around presenting all the time, but lately I've been lazy and haven't been traveling or presenting or mm-hmm. any of that stuff. But I have folders of my old presentations that I would love to kind of re-record and put up on YouTube because I think they're still worthwhile. But that's almost aside from the question I actually want to ask you, which is when you do these shorter videos, do you show slides? I mean, or do you find those to be a distraction in a short video? Or do you think that they do have a place? Um, that's a good question. So when I first started doing video content, it depends. I think the <laughs> framing is important. When I do webinars, I do slides. Yeah. When I do the La- Xamarin show, I don't do any slides. And I, and I don't mm-hmm. encourage anyone to do slides, but that's a different <laughs> format. Yeah. When I did the Xamarin or Motscodes Live, I did on occasion show slides and I showed slides where architecture or something that you needed to visual, that you had to visualize in a way um, could only be done in slide format. So for instance, Mm -hmm. if I was teaching architecture like MVVM, (laughs) guess what? I'm probably going to have some diagrams showing what goes where, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that that was helpful. In fact, I think when I did one of the early Xamarin Live Player ones, I tried to incorporate like one or two slides just to say, hey, like this is how it works. This is what you need to get started and mm-hmm. then go into a demo. But I yeah. think what's important is when you're doing these shorter videos is that you're being shown that you are a human. And I think there's some touch to that. <laughs> like, so even when I do these shorter videos, I'm down in the bottom right or yeah. you know, open up <laughs> by talking a little bit, then go into slides. And that would be your edit points, like the fade in, fade out edit points of going into slides or going out of slides et cetera, et cetera. But I think in general, it works best based on your content is probably not the greatest answer in the world. But no, uh, I think you made sense. What I was wondering is, are you anchoring it like a PowerPoint presentation? But it sounds like no, you'll just throw in a slide when you just need to present some kind of block diagram or something like that. Yeah, I kind of think of, you know, when you go to present for the very first time at a conference, um, you're you're up on stage, you do an introduction <laughs> about yourself, you're you're greeting, you're welcoming everyone, who you are, what you're going to be talking about, why people should care. And then you kind of go into a slide or two. And I've done that before where I just yeah. talk to the camera for a little, like for 30 seconds, 45 seconds, go into the desktop and then go back out to, to, of the desktop and go into the content. Now, this is to be said, Frank, that I am in no way a 
YouTube or Twitch, <laughs> uh, celebrity or expert in this topic. I think that I'm a novice and I'm learning as I go, but I will say that this is all a very important skill. People may be wondering, why the heck are you talking about this? But mm-hmm. to me, it's a very important skill because what you were talking about earlier is like, do I need to know how to you know, edit this video? Should I just know how to live stream? Should I know how to do this? Like all of these things are ever increasing important because as an app developer, guess what you have to do? You have to create screenshots. You should be creating video content. We've talked about building websites, which has some of these aspects to it. You should be doing walkthroughs, you know, imagine doing um, an animation to talking about how to use your application. So I think going and trying this stuff out actually can help the other things that we do on a on a daily basis for our main job and you know so i think it's kind of important you you jumped to the end there on me that's that's exactly (laughs) where i was going to try to bring this stuff but yeah you hit the nail on the head there um i think people you don't even expect videos but i'll just say in my tweet stream which has way too many things in it i'm attracted to nice little product videos you know those Mm -hmm. well shot ads work really well and uh, as an app developer, I want to get a little bit better at marketing myself and uh, producing these kind of little videos. I, I think those are a little easier when you're just showing off an app. It's just a matter of, you know, like bouncing around the UI and finding a good free soundtrack to put in the background. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but for other things, uh, you mentioned OBS before, which is like what? Open Broadcast System, something like that. Yeah, it's, something like that. It's a comp complex piece of software i've tried to twitch before but it's pretty powerful and you can do all these inlays and so have your floating head on the video i guess have you become an expert at it have you found that you need to become an expert at it or do you think that the floating head in a video is great stuff (laughs) you know it well let's talk about software let's talk about what does it take to start maybe that's a good way to preface it which i think is kind of what you're asking for is hey, I want to go do one of those three things. How do I get there? So the first one is have a a professional production studio. Like that's going to (laughs) cost a lot of money. You need a producer. So, you know. It sounds wonderful though. (laughs) Yeah. Come on to the Xamarin show. You can come on channel nine and see how it works. You've seen it. You've seen the production. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I was playing a little ignorant in the beginning because I have actually gotten to record in one of these studios and it's fantastic. I've only been on big cameras a few times in my life so it was very fun to have big cameras on me i don't know if you get used to that or not but yeah it's like uh if you can afford it yeah get a professional recording studio yeah yeah that would be the first thing i would say but most people are probably not going to be at that level and in fact i didn't start at that level obviously a lot of the webinars that you you see me do i literally record right in our our apartment that we have Mm -hmm. in seattle um uh, when I was did some of the bigger ones, we would have a certain area inside of one of the Xamarin buildings or something like that. But I like to have a controlled environment. I think that's the first thing is no matter where you're at, you need to have a pretty controlled in- environment, yeah. have a nice sound setup and video setup. And um, I don't think you have to have, I mean, for me, I think you don't have to start just like podcasting almost. You don't need to start with the best equipment and you can grow over time because maybe you hate doing it right and it would suck to Mm -hmm. um, dump thousands of dollars into the world's best microphone and video (laughs) camera and this huge rig you know yeah um i would say if you're going to do live streaming you're going to need a pretty beefy computer because you're not only going to be maybe playing a game opening visual studio doing Mm -hmm. emulators and simulators but you're also doing a video cam and then you're also streaming that up to um uh youtube or twitch which also 
means that you're going to have a pretty have to have a pretty <laughs> rock steady internet connection, um, which is yeah. important because I have a gig uh, a gig up a gig down, so I'm pretty solid smooth. But but you know, you're also screen recording at the same time. I think I've seen your CPU bar while you've been doing one of these, and you're pretty maxed out. I don't know if you were doing it on your MacBook Adorable ever, but it seemed <laughs> it seemed pretty rough. Yeah, let me let me let me let me first then go into that one right where you're doing a stream. Uh, and then I'll talk about the, the other stuff um, after we take after we'll, we'll thank one of our sponsors, I think, after this. Ah, one. But yeah. I think I think for me, when I did the live stream, so if you jump into the live stream part of it. So I've used OBS and now there's a bunch of other you know different streaming software out there. OBS is open broadcast software, which you I'll link. It's OBSproject.com. It's free. It works everywhere. It is n- not the most beautiful application in the entire world. <laughs> no. no, it's not. It's um, it, it has that uh, Unixy feel, even though it looks out of place on Windows and it looks out of place on Mac. So you're just like, yeah. where did this thing come from? But it's whatever, great. <laughs> it's great. It, but it, it, it you create these different scenes and then there's elements on it, almost like you're laying down a page in Xamarin Forms, or right? you have a a layout type, which is your blank page, and then you have a stack layout, and you're going to, or actually everything's an absolute layout, and you just drag and drop things around. So mm-hmm. here's my webcam source, here's my desktop source, here's my audio source, and and then you can have different scenes, and you just change on the scene, and it changes everything that's live, which is really nice. And in that setup, though, when you're live streaming, you really need multiple monitors because things mm-hmm. are happening. You know what I mean? Oh boy. It's Im- it's <laughs> nearly impossible thickening. to do. So, uh, oh, wow. Okay. I wasn't expecting that. I thought, because I was going to ask, are you just always doing a screen recording or are you recording from multiple sources? I think we mentioned you're going to have a webcam or something, but are you doing like PowerPoint separate from your screen recording or are you just trying to throw everything on the screen as you work? Well, so if I'm doing OBS, right? So if I'm doing live streaming, then I essentially have... Um, I have OBS running on my right monitor and everything else is happening on my left monitor. Uh, this also allows me, because I'm live streaming, is guess what? I have a live audience, right? And I think mm-hmm. this is like a whole, live streaming is a whole oh, other yeah. level of complication. <laughs> so we kind of jump to the, this is the, this is like, it's so hard for me to do this. I tried to do video game live streaming. I was terrible mm-hmm. at it, but I try to do okay at it. But you essentially have chat room, people that are coming in, you want to entertain them, but you want to work on stuff. So on my right monitor, it'd be better if you had three monitors, to be honest. On my (laughs) my right monitor, I have OBS running where I can toggle my scenes. And those scenes usually are, I do my entire desktop. So that's really nice because my left desktop, because then if anything I put over there, which is PowerPoint, which is Visual Studio, emulator, simulators, anything that's on my left monitor shows up. And then on top of that, I have my webcam in the bottom right. I may have some text and some information on where to follow me. I might have a background frame that's kind of framing everything <laughs> inside of a surface book or something. And that's, you, you know, kind have of you done it, that? I'm trying have to you really have you gone that far? You, you've actually put that much Chrome around your video. Yeah, you can find like, little templates. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> it's pretty good. And then and then and then, you know, you if you're going even a level further, right, you're then monitoring the live chat on your right hand side mm-hmm. and then. You may use some other, like, once you get to another level of using Twitch or YouTube, there's other third-party services out there that will, you'll get notifications of when someone follows you or asks you a question or whatever, and you can do little pop-ups and jingles inside of your Twitch video. Like, this stuff gets real complex real fast. You're not going to become a master of this overnight, but... (laughs) You don't have to go to that level, right? You could literally just have a webcam and your desktop, and that's it, and that would work okay, and, like, that would be a start. Um, So... 
this sounds actually decent for like a Twitch kind of environment. I think you could get used to it. I always imagine that you're just going to chat in the chat room while things are compiling and people mm-hmm. get entertained that way. Yeah. But would you also use this setup if you were going to do an edited video? Do you like that software that much or is this a Twitch only setup? That's a great question. And before I answer that, let's go ahead and thank our amazing sponsor ah, this week, great. Frank. <laughs> you know them, you love them. You probably should be using them in your application right now today. And it is our good friends over at SyncFusion. I love SyncFusion. Imagine all of those charts and graphs and complicated controls and reports and Word and all that stuff you don't have to worry about. That's where SyncFusion comes in. Because now you're doing all that stuff by work. Oh, I need this chart, I need this graph. Oh, I gotta go write that control. I gotta go write this control. Not with SyncFusion. They have over 850 components and enterprise products from big data, reporting, charts, graphs, complex Xamarin controls for every single platform, whether it's Xamarin, iOS, Android, web, you name it, they support it. They build these components and controls up to the highest, best possible performance on each platform. They're native on each platform. They've actually just updated their product pages. It's absolutely gorgeous. And um, you can download a sample app for iOS or Android, but even just on Xamarin. So I'm going to do Xamarin, Xamarin Forms, iOS, Android, and Windows. You have not only charts, you have grids, you have Excel spreadsheets, um, you have brand new diagrams, and you have image editor controls and PDF viewers and printers. It's absolutely astonishing. I love it. Now, the great part here is that you can actually get all of the Syncfusion stuff in their community edition for completely zero dollars, Frank, zero dollars. Um, so if you already have Visual Studio Community Edition or in that community space, absolutely, boom, you're good to go. And after that, if you're making a million plus dollars a year, they have a flat rate fee that you can sign up and get everything from just the Xamarin platform, developer platform, or unlimited everything. And if you want everything under the sun, it's just 4K, which is absolutely a phenomenal deal. And they have great videos, eBooks of getting started with everything. So you're saying, Frank, where the heck do I go to get this? And I'm <laughs> glad that you asked, Frank. It's easy. You go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. You can learn about all this amazing stuff that I just told you. Just go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. And we cannot thank Syncfusion enough for sponsoring this amazing episode of Merge Conflict. Thank you, Syncfusion. And yes, I should be using more of their controls. You're right. It was a good observation. <laughs> yes. So when we talk about these different formats, right? We went from professional setup, we went to live mm-hmm. stream. When I do pre-recorded stuff, I don't talk. I don't use anything that I just talked about. Nothing. Oh man, it's a complete no. separation. Because I feel like if you got good at the Twitch stuff, then wouldn't you get good at edited stuff? And you could use the same tools, and it would be a good idea. But no, huh? You're throwing it all <laughs> out. <laughs> well, so you could now. Now I want to say that I don't, but you could now. OBS. Okay. When you do OBS. Mm-hmm. You have the option to start streaming or start recording. So when you start right. recording, it will dump everything out to your local disk. So you could, you could totally use OBS to do everything that you were doing. So if you had scenes, if you had everything um, set mm-hmm. up just how you like it, you could totally do that. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. Um, I will say what I like to do though is uh, I'm a little bit different, I guess. I guess <laughs> for some reason, yeah. Uh, you know, OBS Where are we going? isn't. <laughs> it, well, OBS is not editing software. So you right. got to remember that. Sure. So 
it's just a way to bring in multiple sources. That's how I regard it. Mm-hmm. So as you say, the layouts, but you can also have multiple video streams. So it's just a compositor. And I, the way I'm imagining to use it is do your dry run through, maybe live streaming to Twitch, but then also use that same setup to do um, just material for the edited version, just raw material that you'll then use some billion dollar video editing software to edit, I assume. Yeah, I mean, there's not a billion dollar editing software. So I will say that you could you could totally do exactly what you did. And I've never tried it, to be honest with you, because to me, OBS is is really good at streaming and it's it does good at recording stuff as well in the scenes and all that stuff. But my normal day to day like type of YouTube videos that I do production on, they're not that complex. I don't have all these different sources and overlays. I try to distinguish the two worlds like, hey, this is my streaming world and this is my production world over here interesting okay uh, yeah i'm kind of weird uh, i so guess are but... you basically then just going to record your main monitor and just do it that way that's your raw footage is just recording your screen yeah so what i use on the pc because i do almost everything on a pc is i use um camtasia ah haven't heard that one in a while still yeah. around good <laughs> still around still rocking um camtasia for some reason is like to me, the I mean, people can definitely ask us about, well, you know, or tell us what they're using. But I use Cam, Cam, Camtasia Studio. It's like a hundred or two hundred dollars or something, and it does a lot of stuff that OBS does. It, it is not only a full production and post production and editing piece of software, oh, but it also does nice. full desktop recording. It'll do webcam overlays. The what thing that I like about it is. I sometimes record on a Mac, and when I do that, I just use um, what do I use? I just use QuickTime. I'm yeah, not weird. this is this is a good pro tip, I think, uh, for anyone who's using a Mac. I don't think a lot of people know this actually, but QuickTime Player is also a recorder, oddly named program. So if you just mm-hmm. go to File, uh, you can do a new movie recording or like a new screen recording. There's a lot of choices. Uh, I use it to record the iPhone screen all the time when I am going to make mm-hmm. a product video. Just plug the iPhone in, say new movie recording, select the iPhone as the video source, and you're off and away. You just got to put a dubstep soundtrack to the background. (laughs) I'll be good. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So now what I do is I'll I'll tell you what I do in general is I often go over there. I'm recording iPhone footage directly. And if I'm not going to screen mirror and I want the raw footage and I'll just go over there. Mm -hmm. And then I use another tool called Ecamm, E-C-A-M-M. So you can go to dot com. There's a whole product is actually some of the podcasters use this stuff because they have like call recorder for skype and call recorder for facetime uh-huh. it's the call recorder company got it it's, but they're it's called the call E-Cam. recorder but they have a movie tools and mm-hmm. i use this for one purpose which is to take those those files from quicktime that are move file formats <laughs> and i convert them to mp4s <laughs> okay so you're just re-encoding that's fun i re-encode yeah. it and then i drag dragon over now what i do is inside of camtasia is i do you know my my overlays i do everything and what i like about camtasia why i use it so much is it's very very minimum cpu usage so i can do Mm -hmm. all of this on my surface book where when i do obs and streaming and all that other stuff i'm on my supercomputer which is going to be able to harness that power um That's a big difference, I will say. Like, I have this, like, kind of minimal setup where I'm just doing this and I'm doing that. Now, both of them share, like, a really good microphone. I use the same microphone that I'm recording on right now, which is important. So you have good audio. I, you know, have my Mm -hmm. keyboard here. And the nice thing with um, also when you're saving those um, 
those videos is that Camtasia doesn't just output a raw MP4. It actually puts it in its own file format until you encode it. It's almost yeah. like um, 3ds Max or something like that, mm-hmm. where you're using their for their format until you export it. So you can you can um, slice, you can snip, you can do everything like that, um, which is really really nice. Yeah, that sounds nice. I want to give a shout out to iMovie on the Mac, though. So I have this real mm-hmm. love hate relationship with it. <laughs> It's actually a pretty powerful piece of video editing software, but it has what I think is the most horrendous timeline editor on the planet. And it's very frustrating to use, but it has a lot of the same features that you just said were bonuses. It's very low CPU, so I can use it on my laptop without a problem. It doesn't do any fancy conversions until uh, it has to. It does all the effects rendering on the fly. So there's a nice piece of cheap software out there. But I have to say, every time I use it, I think about, oh, why don't I just get Adobe Premiere and pay a million dollars a year? <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. Are there any other options on the Mac or you're you're just so on Windows, it's Camtasia for Windows and we're no. stuck on Mac? <laughs> no, no, no. So to be honest with you, even when I do QuickTime, it's actually pretty intensive um, for what it's recording. There's a piece of software that I love that is essentially Camtasia, but on the Mac, but super awesome. It's called Mm -hmm. ScreenFlow. It's by Telestream. It's so good. It's very good. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I've used it in the past. I have a pretty old license for it. It probably doesn't work anymore. I have to re-up, but I really enjoyed it. I think I stopped using it only because I... (laughs) stop making videos which now that i say that out loud sounds stupid (laughs) but uh good so you like it i'll have to take another look at it yeah and what i like about these two pieces of software whether it's ScreenFlow or it's camtasia is that they allow you to really get um, really good encoding format so often when i encode my files i i export them and i minimize some of the um the quality level or i just want 1080p the output sources of them so I kind of do a lot of those little things and each of those have effects too. So I think that's where it's like next level, right? Where I'm talking about editing and doing this stuff where I can do some of that stuff by fading in and out scenes inside of OBS, but really mm-hmm. it's the post-production. So I almost like to use what I'm recording in to do the post-production. It seems a little bit weird, but I can snip, I can add fades, I can add little animations, I can zoom in, I can zoom out. And both of these pieces of software work really well to do that. Um, ScreenFlow is 129 bucks. I'm looking right now. It's in the yeah. show notes. Um, it's very and reasonable it's and it was... Yeah, great software. I was actually using it when I was making web videos myself. There you <laughs> um, go. Presentations. Hmm. So where should we go from here? I almost want to loop back to, we, we've covered the technical side, I think, at least to some excruciating detail. Mm-hmm. So I almost want to go back to the topic side. What videos work and what videos don't? What, what should we waste our time with and not waste our time with to get our 20 YouTube views? Uh, architecture, uh, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it really is architecture, huh? Has that been your most positive feedback from doing the Xamarin show? Or what are, are people interested in deep dives, high level overviews? You know what I really think people like? So if I go into the Xamarin show, I'm not going to talk num- pure numbers, but um, mm-hmm. the number one episode I've ever done, which has more than double the views than any other video, is MVVM and data binding uh-huh. with Xamarin Forms, episode five. I'm going to put See, it in the we show all notes. just want to know how to make writing UIs easier. Please just tell us how to make that simple. <laughs> yeah, so I really, and actually I have slides in that one too, and I, I have a few of them. It was very early on, but I had the most comments, I had the most thing. The other thing that I see often 
And actually, it's funny because if I go further down, the number four video is MVVM Lite, which is architecture mm. and <laughs> prisms in there too, right? So architecture okay. and also reactive UIs on there. and That's architecture, um, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I see that, wow. but I also think little snippets of how to do something. So for instance, actually my number three video is upgrading Xamarin Forms to .NET standard. And number six on there is performance tips and tricks. Like, so I think things that are common that a mass a lot of developers are running into, which is why architecture is so interesting because, you know, when Dave Thomas is like, oh, how many people are interested in me talking about creating emulation software? Like there are totally people that are interested, Mm -hmm. but are those, how many of those people are going to watch a live stream? Whereas a mass amount of people are probably going to be more interested in how do I do architecture? What are the best approaches? How do I do this? Like, how do I learn this specific thing? So I think that is what becomes, um, for me at least, what I try to focus on is what do I think a lot of people are going to run into and really be interested in? So that's like my goal, I guess. It's funny. You're actually making me uh, think of something Miguel said. I think we have to mention Miguel on every episode, right? So Mm -hmm. I think think when, um, what was it? When Xamarin was first open sourced or .NET was, it was when .NET was first open sourced. Microsoft was very surprised at the number of people contributing, especially Mm -hmm. to um, uh, what they considered was the lower level stuff, like the compiler. They were just amazed at how many people wanted to contribute to the compiler. And Miguel made the point that, well, no, it's just that everyone uses the compiler. That's the most common thing on the planet. We all mm-hmm. use it every day over and over. That's um, It has the most just numbers behind it. <laughs> you know, that's what everyone uses. And so it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, it's because these more general topics just have bigger numbers behind them. So they will yeah. perform better. I think you're right. I think if you if you just take that exact example is imagine that one percent of the population that uh, uh, that uses th- that one percent of people will contribute let's just say that one percent mm-hmm. just a magical one yeah. percent number <laughs> well if your pool then is 10 million people compared to let's say a million people while you <laughs> yeah. are 10x right just literally that many more people want to contribute right. or watch it so when i'm doing videos i i guess i'm I do a little bit of, I don't know. I think like some of them I get really interested in or where I be, think I'm an expert in where like Android and iOS app signing, like everyone's going to have to do mm-hmm. that eventually. You know, one of my and people, most pop- and people love YouTube how to videos. So, you know, mm-hmm. there really should be how to sign a, a Xamarin app. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's why I started doing snack packs on the Xamarin show, which were these you know, the goal was under five minutes, but five to eight minute videos of how to do one thing and how to do it really fast. So I go in and I say, hey, I'm James Montemagno. I'm going to talk to you about this one thing today. Here's why you care about it, blah, blah, blah. Like, let's do it. So then I try to do it in just a few minutes. And it's a challenge to try to do anything mm-hmm. in under five minutes. But at the same time, I was able, I'm able to cover a lot of content in five to eight minutes. And those get, uh, you know, extremely um, good views and, and are, yeah. you know, people seem to like them. Um, that sounds general. wonderful, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's always, I, you know, I love me a deep dive video. I, I like a good 60 minute video on something. But for some reason, I have a really short attention span when it comes to programming. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. And it's mm-hmm. only about it. The video is going to be kind of quick to it. And I was almost thinking when you said that, I'm like, I don't even want your Hi, I'm James intro. That sounds like a waste <laughs> of time. Just get right down to it, man. That's you true. can put that at the end. <laughs> <All right. laughs> That's true. I mean, now, all of this is not to say that 
longer videos aren't important. I don't want people to be like, oh, longer, <laughs> you know, James said longer videos are stupid. <laughs> That's not what I said. Um, <laughs> that happened. <laughs> I think that what's important is that when you make a video and you watch it, like you should watch your own video before you publish it. Be like, are there po points in this which aren't necessary that aren't really adding any value? Because you can just go on and ramble like we do on this podcast. Sometimes we'll ramble for 10 minutes and we're Maybe. live to tape. So I'm not cutting it. So it's happening. <laughs> um, you get the raw footage, folks. <laughs> mm -hmm, that's right. So should we uh, circle this back? I mean, should we only talk about architecture on this podcast? Did everything we just talk about happen here? I mean, MVVM every episode, at least no. a 10 part series. <laughs> no. What what you do is you talk about what you love. Because when I started at Xamarin now four years ago, over four years ago, I was hired as a dev advocate and an evangelist out there. My goal was to help developers be successful, not to sell them something. You're not creating a, I'm not, I don't create YouTube videos to make money. I mean, I do make a little bit of money and I can barely buy a taco with the money, um, but you know, it's there, but that's, that's not why I'm dream. doing them. <laughs> to, to afford a taco just one one day that'd be just enough. one yeah just one um if they're buy two get one free then maybe i'll you know oh, spend the bonus. extra money but i i essentially do the videos because it's something i'm really interested in i want to show something really cool that i'm passionate about so i think like if you just take whatever you're passionate about and if it is you know emulation software right guess what <laughs> you know that's what dave thomas really wants to talk about don't ask people what you want them to what what they're interested in just do what you love and then over time you will gain insight into that you might even get a whole you know community of other people because if you have a let's say ten thousand followers on twitter well the population of people watching youtube is way more than that right so yeah. <laughs> there's other people that may be interested that may not just be following you so for frank my advice or anyone else listening is mm -hmm. do whatever you're super crazy interested in and if you run into a bug or you find something and you're like oh, i'm just jammed on this and i'm super passionate make a video on it do whatever right and um I think that'll come off really well because if you're excited about it and you're explaining it really well, which you can build up over time, mm -hmm. then I think other people will like it too because people kind of feed off that energy. So I think that's what's really important. Boy, I like that advice. We've come all, all, way, all the way around to saying ignore the poll results because in the end, you'll probably find a niche, which actually just from a business standpoint, people always ask me, how do you know which kind of app to write? I say, I always try to find a, like a small rich market <laughs> to target because they're the ones that are usually underserved and all that. So I kind of um, want to kind of think there's something there to your choosing whatever topic you want to. Maybe you'll find a community. I think so. Well, I hope that uh, we didn't uh, put everyone to sleep <laughs> with this 40 minute uh, <laughs> YouTube video explanation. But Well, I just had some questions that I wanted answered and I needed to talk to the professional. I'm sure someone else out there will enjoy this. Someone yeah, I, <laughs> I hope so. And to be honest, I will say this. I mentioned at the beginning, but you don't need to be a professional to go do this, to go try it out, to, to even find out if you like doing this. And you also don't need to spend you know, tons of money to do it. You know, I, when people come up and ask about how do I get started podcasting or how do we do this? And I go, you could get started by just using your Apple headphones. Like if that would be good. Do I recommend that? No, no. but maybe... <laughs> Pay, play around with it. Don't publish those episodes, but maybe get started <laughs> if you're just doing it. But even the microphones that I recommend are under $100. So the m investment is extremely small. And I think about a microphone 
as a way that I talk to people on the telephone, how I record videos, how I do podcasts. So it's multi-purpose and a lot of facets. So think about that stuff, right? A webcam, right? Okay, I have a really crappy, terrible webcam right now, but maybe I'll get a $60 webcam and that'll be good enough until I want to go to the full DSLR crazy streaming contraptions, right? No, that's that's mm-hmm. what the, you know, as you get more <laughs> professional onto it. But I think that's about it. I mean, that's kind of my, my pro. For- you can always... You can always improve your setup over time. You don't need to go pro first. So that's my recommendation. My only two cents on all that was out of all my YouTube videos, some liked, some not liked. No one's ever commented on the audio quality. I have totally obsessed over audio quality in the past, (laughs) but no one's ever commented on it. So I think content tends to win. Yeah. If you just put something good up, usually unless it's horrendous. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. As long as if you can listen back to it, then that's okay. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So. All right, cool. I think that's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. You know, you can find us everywhere on the Internet at MergeConflict.fm is our website. We have a contact button up there. You can literally just contact us, which is super cool. Leave us some feedback, what you like, what you want to hear, because we actually, you know, we want to hear, too. We do talk about random stuff, but let us know. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at MergeConflictFM. You can find me at James Montemagno, at Proclarum over for Frank. And, of course, you can subscribe and leave amazing, glorious reviews on your favorite podcast application, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or any of the amazing stuff out there. Make sure you subscribe. And more than anything, just tell someone about the podcast. That super helps us out. Um, we love it. We love um, I was actually walking. I was sitting in building 18 the other day in a little phone booth area and there's like see-through walls or whatever glass walls uh-huh. and uh, a fellow uh microsofty um Ooh. softy um walked by <laughs> and held up his laptop with a merge conflict sticker on it and i just smiled oh and I, like, waved at him. that's cool. nice that, that's cool. very casual i wasn't sure if you're gonna say a wink or a high five but was, i like the it, sticker <laughs> it was cool. It was cool. And you can also buy stickers in our shop, by the way, at mergeconflict.fm. So go for it. But I thought that was cool. So I think that's about yeah, it. It'll get us a taco. We yeah, need go, our tacos. It will get us tacos, <laughs> yes. And give out more stickers. So until next time, this has been another glorious episode of Merge Conflict. And I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.